This episode of Locked On Panthers is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an official community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Back here again for another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday through Friday, your team every single day of the week. That's what we do here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Also, check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Odyssey, and wherever you listen to this show and all of your favorite shows across the Locked On Podcast Network. Another show. You should be listening to as this is your first listen, make your second listen locked on Hornets. My buddy Walker Mel is the host over there. I join him every single Thursday to talk some bugs. If you want to listen to me talking Hornets and talking Panthers, check out Locked on Panthers here and check out Locked on Hornets Thursdays and every other day of the week. Listen to my guy Walker here on Locked on Podcast Network. Make sure to also follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter at Julian Council, where every single Friday I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions here on the show. You can either at me or DM me, but first make sure to click the follow button on Twitter at Julian Council to get in those questions. On today's show, going to talk to new Charlotte Observer beat reporter for the Carolina Panthers, Ellis Williams. He joined us a couple weeks ago in the middle of a long losing streak and not a great time for him to join the Carolina Panthers. We've seen plenty of beat writers come and go here recently. They've all gone on to great things, so I expect that Ellis will be a fantastic addition to the beat and to our city. Had a great conversation with him. You'll hear that here in just a moment. But first, yesterday talked about some of the issues of the offensive line and the injuries. And when I recorded on Monday afternoon, the news had not come out yet that Cam Irving was going on IR with a calf injury that he sustained in the Panthers' loss on Sunday against New England Patriots. Dennis Daly filled in for him, playing 40 of the 59 snaps in the Panthers' loss against New England, which means that... For the next three weeks, there will be no Cam Irving, which is disappointing considering he was a priority free agent signing for whatever reason for both Matt Rule and Scott Fitterer to play the left tackle position. He came into training camp knowing that it was was his job to win or lose. He's already missed a game before due to a neck injury. He will now mix the next three games for the Carolina Panthers. That will be Sunday against Arizona. He will also miss the... um, what is it? The Redskins, the football team game. And then I believe it's the Dolphins, then a bye, then Atlanta. So he'll miss the next three games against Arizona, Washington, Miami. Then he'll be back following the bye, which should give him plenty of time to get ready to go for the Carolina Panthers when they return home against the Atlanta Falcons following that bye in a couple of weeks. But in the meantime, most likely when you look at this offensive line, left tackle, probably going to be Dennis Daly. Left guard will be Michael Jordan, who graded out as one of the as the second highest Panther according to Pro Football Focus against New England on Sunday. Center will be Pat Elfline as long as he's healthy. Right guard, you're looking at Trent Scott. I would rather see Brady Christensen there, but the Carolina Panthers don't feel like he's ready to go in terms of mature enough at this stage in his career in the NFL as a rookie. Then fine, Trent Scott. Then at right tackle, it will of course be Taylor Moten. 
the eighth starting offensive line combination for the Carolina Panthers. This has been a topic of discussion on the show since I've taken over about how poorly the Carolina Panthers offensive line is constructed, whether that's been the lack of quality signings of free agency. And it is very hard to go out there in free agency and find a quality starter on the offensive line, especially when there's plenty of teams that out there might have been more aggressive. But the best way to build a quality offensive line is to draft and develop. That's what the Carolina Panthers need to do. And they certainly have taken upon that principle by drafting Brady Christensen and Deontay Brown. Unfortunately, right now, Brown is not healthy. Christensen has been thrown into the fire, whether it been at right tackle or left tackle or having to play guard. He's played all over the offensive line. He has the versatility that they crave and desire, which is the reason why Pat Elfline and Cam Irving are here. And you can honestly say it's not a terrible setting for the Carolina Panthers in terms of getting Pat Elfline here because he had played center in the past. And in the event that Matt Paradis, like right now, who's out for the season with a torn ACL, went on IR, you could turn to Elfline, who has experience in this league at that position. But does that mean the Carolina Panthers offense line is in a good place right now? No. At this point, you really can't criticize them moving forward. There's not a single team in the NFL that's going to have success when they have four offensive linemen currently sitting on IR. And that's the situation here in Carolina. It can both be true that this offensive line was poorly constructed and that they don't have a ton of starting caliber talent. That is very true. It's also true that when you have four guys currently on IR and Cam Irving, John Miller, Deontay Brown, and Matt Paradis, who's on season-ending IR, it's impossible for any offensive line in the NFL with the town with the amount of athletes that they have on the defensive side of the ball like I don't even know how anyone is able to block some of the monsters that are coming up from the edge in the interior of the defensive line on the offensive line the line of scrimmage I don't know how anyone blocks these guys nowadays like it's insane to me so every team in the NFL outside of maybe six or seven, has an O-line problem, and that gets exasperated when four of your offensive linemen go on IR. So the Carolina Panthers are going to have an issue with that, especially on Sunday against an Arizona team where you have Chandler Jones, who this past Sunday just broke the Cardinals' all-time sack record, and he already had five sacks in a single game this season, week one, against the Titans. Like The dude is just absolutely terrifying. The Carolina Panthers are going to have to figure that out moving forward. Uh, Some other news, and you'll hear... Um, sort of a reaction to this in my interview, my conversation with Ellis Williams as this popped on the TL timeline. <laughs> sound, you know, gosh, sound awful saying TL. Uh, either way, this popped down the, uh, the timeline earlier on Tuesday when I was talking to him that Matt Barkley, the Carolina Panthers, have signed him um, to a deal uh, pending pending a physical. This is reported by Joe Person of The Athletic. Barkley started seven games in six seasons with the Eagles, the Bears, and the Buffalo Bills, where he last spent time. He was also, I guess, in training camp at the Tennessee Titans um, before being released. And Sam Darnold remains day-to-day with a shoulder injury. So Barkley's insurance, it also, I think, points to you um, with the, his signing more so than the signing we saw last week with Josh Love, who has never played a snap in a National Football League in a regular season, that this probably points to you that Sam Donald may not be available. Now, P.J. Walker will still be in line to get to start on Sunday if, if Sam Donald is not able to play against the Arizona Cardinals, and it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if he's not able to play. So the Carolina Panthers can at least get a look at P.J. Walker, and if P.J. plays well enough, then keep him in there again. 
next week when they play against the Miami Dolphins. Sam Darnold has not played well enough the last couple of weeks. Matt Rule's been non-committal so far in terms of whether he's going to start on Sunday if he is available and if he's healthy. Now, first off, he needs to be available. So I don't really view Matt Rule trying to, at least not answering the question of whether he'd be the starter or not being committed to him um, on Monday as, as not wanting to answer it. I think he's just really being honest. Like I can't really answer the question until I know whether he's healthy or not. So currently he's day-to-day. They brought in Matt Barkley. I had mentioned that they should have thought about bringing a guy like Blake Bortles in last week. Instead, they brought in Josh Love. At least bring someone in who has experience in this league. And at the very least, Matt Barkley, USC guy, a veteran, keep him on the roster and allow him to offer whatever mentorship he can to a, fr- a fellow Trojan and alumnus. Like, yeah, well, I guess Sam Darnold didn't really gr- Did he graduate from USC? I don't think he did. So either way. Matt Barkley coming to Carolina, not necessarily a big deal, but it could be beneficial to the Carolina Panthers as they have another experienced quarterback on the roster and someone who I'm sure already has a relationship with Sam Darnold and can help Darnold whenever he comes back later on this season. And I guess if he retains a starting job here in Carolina. All right, going to take a quick pause then on the other side, going to talk to the new beat reporter for the Charlotte Observer covering the Carolina Panthers, Ellis Williams, get his perspective on what's gone on with the Carolina Panthers over the last couple of weeks, particularly his thoughts on Sam Darnold and Joe Brady. What kind of criticism does he need to, uh, how much criticism should be on the Carolina Panthers offensive play call? We'll get into all that here and more in just a moment. Hey, Panther fans, this is Julian Council with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. It's called Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store right now. By using promo code TOUCHDOWN, you can get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back by using Get Upside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, back here on Locked On Panthers, as promised, Ellis Williams, who is the new beat reporter for the Charlotte Observer, covering your Carolina Panthers, joins me now on the show. Ellis, glad to link up finally with you, man. How you doing? 
I'm cool, Julian. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm getting uh, used to the Charlotte area, learning my way to Bank of America Stadium. Didn't have to use my GPS today to go down there for COVID testing. So uh, that's a step in the right direction. Uh, taking it one day at a time. And I'm, I'm jumping into this beat at a, a real interesting time, which we're going to get into. Yeah, you are. It's interesting, too, because this is a beat that's actually seen a lot of people turn over over the last couple of years because people who come to this beat often go to bigger jobs like Jordan Rodriguez, Brendan Marks are both working for The Athletic now. Jordan's covering the L.A. Rams. Elena Getzenberg, who you replaced, she went to take the job with ESPN covering the Bills. And the person who she replaced, Marcel Louis Jacques, left down to go to Miami after covering the Bills for ESPN.com. So I guess I ask you, what big job are you taking after you leave us? Oh, man. You know, I'm going to get into show business, start writing movies. I'm going to line up a Netflix deal. You know, that, that's really why I'm here. No, I'm just playing. I, I've got some uh, impressive shoes to fill. Uh, a lot of I'm happy to call a long list of those people, colleagues and friends. And um, the Observer's done great work. And I'm just hoping I can keep pushing the coverage in the right direction. Absolutely. We're excited to have you here. Just give the listeners here a quick background of who you are, where you came from, and just what attracted you to this job. Yeah, so I've spent the last two years in Cleveland at Cleveland.com and the Plain Dealer covering the Browns, which was uh, a circus in its own right, from uh, Freddie Kitchens and the Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph incident to finding some stability with Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry. Um, I got out of there right before the whole Odell circus this past week. Uh, so as soon as things calmed down, uh, they, they reverted right back to their old ways. But um, got my start covering the league there, uh, working alongside Mary Kay Cabot, who's been in the industry for 30 years. And coming to Charlotte, this is an opportunity I couldn't pass up to, to be the lead guy covering a team um, that, like you said, the, the history of the reporters here have gone on to do great things. And um, it, it's an exciting market. It's a small but competitive one. And I'm originally from Minnesota, went to college in Wisconsin, and then spent time in upstate New York doing high schools. And like I said, then two years in Cleveland covering the Browns. So uh, the weather is something I couldn't pass up either. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a beautiful place to live. Plenty of people from Ohio and upstate New York have made their way down here to the Charlotte area. As a Charlotte native, it's nice to see the city grow, but also somewhat annoying, um, depending on traffic nowadays and the amount of people here. But it's good to have your city growing instead of dying, as we've seen in some places in this country. But we're happy to have you here. And you talk about you were at Cleveland. Back when they had finally found stability, outside, of course, the last week with the Odell saga, you're now here in Charlotte where they're trying to hopefully find stability under Matt Rule and Scott Bitter. In the last couple of weeks, I've seen the Carolina Panthers lose five of their last six games. As you see it, after being on the beat for only a, a short couple of weeks, what is your interpretation of the Carolina Panthers as they head into the game on Sunday against Arizona, sitting at four and five? Yeah, I'll write about this uh, as we get into the offseason and you know things transition from more news and beat reporting to uh, – more overarching narratives and roster building and, and team construction. But the biggest thing with Carolina right now, as I compare it to, and I think it is comparable to the Browns situation. Uh, I covered the, the Browns beat when they were looking for their, a new head coach, um, Kevin Stefanski and Matt Rule are both in their second season with their respective teams and have their teams in very different spots. And where I'm going with this is a lot of this is predicated on the offensive line. One organization decided to rebuild their offensive line in Cleveland. Uh, they spent their, First round pick, 10 overall in 2020 on Jedrick Wills. They broke the tackle market and paid Jack Conklin at right tackle. 
and then built around some uh, pieces they already retained and Wyatt Teller, who actually got a, a massive payday today, ironically enough. Um, they prioritized that side of the ball, specifically that area of the football, regardless of who their quarterback was. You come here, not a clue, or excuse me, Carolina, I got to get used to those C's. I'm, I'm playing them off each other. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I And Matt Rule has acknowledged this. The exact opposite happened. They've invested their assets uh, to the defensive side of the ball. And it's paid off. This defense is, is fierce. It's impressive. Um, I As I watch the game and I watch the tape, you see a unit that really attacks the quarterback, attacks protections. Uh, Phil Stone really knows how to get after the quarterback. They're, they're, they can be stout against the run. I think they're on the field way too much, which is why you see them uh, deteriorate towards the end of the games uh, in their run defense. But their secondary can play any sort of coverage. You trust them in man-to-man defense. But all that is moot when you see what has transpired on offense. They can't protect yeah. the quarterback. They can't protect the quarterback, and they, they can't run the football. And what's a great defense without um, an offense that can at least support it? That's an excellent point that you bring up there, too, and just comparing two second-year head coaches and what's been built up in Cleveland of Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski and what we have here in year two of Matt Rule. And then Scott Fitter has only been on the job for about nine, ten months now. Do you see it potentially? I mean, maybe as a misstep for the Panthers to have put so many resources. All the 2020 draft went to defense. The first pick in this first round of the draft this past year for the Carolina Panthers. With every defensive player on the board, they go out and get J.C. Horn, who unfortunately is injured. But they have not addressed the offensive line, whether it's been this regime or the past ones with Dave Gettleman, who's now with the Giants, or Marty Herney, whether it was 1.0 or 2.0. Do you see it as a misstep for the Carolina Panthers to have put so much effort in rebuilding that defense to where they really haven't done much in terms of building the offensive line? Yeah, I just was scrolling on Twitter before I came on here and came across a tweet that said that the Panthers haven't drafted an offensive lineman in the first round in 15 years. I have no idea if that's true. That's Twitter for you. 2008, um, Jeff Ota, and he was okay. a bust. There you go. Um, in a way, that answers your question. It, it's a position that when you don't take it seriously or hope that average can get you by, you put far too much stress on your quarterback. Look what happened to Andrew Luck. Um Grigson, the GM in Indianapolis at the time, actually is uh, an advisor to Andrew Barry in Cleveland, and he pounded the table for Andrew not to make those same mistakes he did. And Andrew took him very seriously and, as I've already detailed, um, remade the offensive line in one offseason. So I, you, I don't want to call it a misstep yet because I think these rebuilding projects should be looked at in three-year windows, and that puts a lot of pressure on this upcoming offseason because – as I said, the defense is as advertised. You've got a lot of cornerstone pieces there. And, 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 a, and a savvy, sharp signing and a guy like Hassan Reddick, uh, who they got on a bargain deal, who you know you're probably going to have to pay now, but still, you're, you've made moves that um, have aligned your defense to be a force and a, a side of the ball that can carry you for a few years here now. This offseason now becomes monumental in addressing that offensive side and specifically the offensive line. More with Ellis Williams of the Charlotte Observer here in just a moment. 
You guys know I've been telling you about Built Bar for months now. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And if you haven't tried a Built Bar by now, you are missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. Most protein bars are chalky or waxy or just plain hard to choke down. A Built Bar is soft, covered in 100% real chocolate. And when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience, one that you'll enjoy. In fact, you'd swear you're eating a candy bar. Built Bars are low carb, low calorie, low fat, low sugar, and high in protein, so all the healthy benefits on top of just being purely delicious. Another great thing about Built Bar, there are so many mouth-watering flavors, including coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, double chocolate, and cherry barcia. This month, Built Bar is coming out with new limited-time flavors every three to four days, so check their website often. You don't want to miss out. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Not great over the last couple of weeks with Sam Darnold, now up to 11 interceptions on the season. Actually, this is, as we're recording this, going to take people behind the curtain here Tuesday evening. Uh, seeing uh, one of your colleagues, Joe Person, is reporting that Carolina Panthers have signed for agent quarterback Matt Barkley. Deal is pending a physical uh, to be here in Carolina. What does that tell you? As your first reaction listening to this on the podcast, Sam Darnold is someone who had an MRI on Monday, and Matt Rule has been non-committal so far through this week on whether he will be his quarterback starting on Sunday, whether he's healthy or not. Yeah, the, the Panthers are trending towards quarterback purgatory, and that is a spot that, of course, no franchise wants to be in, no fan base wants to hear about it. But there's things to keep in mind about Sam Darnold. I'm not saying he's the future or it was a, a good move bringing him in here, but it's important to separate all the components that go into playing quarterback. We've already talked about the offensive line. I think we also need to talk about the offensive coordinator. This is an offense that you don't see a lot of creativity from. Um, Joe Brady last week against the Patriots only called – Sam only had eight play action – dropbacks he completed three of those passes there were also only only three screens called it, you just wonder where is the support for Sam Darnold within this organization now if you had a quarterback like Justin Fields you then would just be shifting that pressure onto a quarterback and his playmaking ability and his legs and that perhaps could cover up for all these inefficiencies that I'm mentioning 
but there is equal blame to go around in not providing Sam Donald with an offensive line and not giving him a more creative and advantageous offense uh, to not make him have to carry so much of the workload because it's just not the quarterback that he is. Again, going back to Cleveland, you've seen Baker Mayfield have all the pieces around him basically engineered perfectly so that he could be the best version of himself. Sam hasn't had that opportunity. He probably won't get it here, which is going to end up costing him his starting job eventually. But again, there are three different components into this. Sam Darnold, the front office's decision-making about the offensive line, and then the designer of the offense himself. Well, let's talk about the designer of the offense himself in Joe Brady, who came in with all the fanfare and hullabaloo after the 2019 National Championship down at LSU, where you see guys like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and Joe Burrow all go in the first round. Also, Clyde Edwards-Alaire go in the first round of the NFL draft and have had, so far, pretty successful careers in a short, short time, which makes you question how much of it was Joe Brady's offense and how much of it was actually the players going out there and making plays. From what you've said and seen so far, how much questions do you have about – how big of questions do you have about Joe Brady and his ability to be able to craft a successful offense around Sam Darnold this season and beyond for the Panthers? Yeah, it's, it's pretty clear that Joe Brady relies on a matchup-based scheme where he can put his players in one-on-one situations and, and uh, trust his quarterback to decide which matchup he likes most. Now, you laid out all the talent they had at LSU, which doesn't happen at the NFL level, right? So yeah. if you go back to the, the New England game, when Sam Darnold missed Christian McCaffrey on that out of the backfield, out and up against Dante Hightower, that's, that's a beautiful Joe Brady play. That's a one-on-one matchup that should have been six points. That's on Sam Darnold. But you can't be a battleship offense of a play caller. You know, we're gonna, just going to call this because I think it's going to work. I haven't seen Joe Brady yet run plays that set up opportunities down the line. We, this offense has – I don't think they've scored – I think they've scored one touchdown in the third quarter. Um, I haven't seen Joe use his play calling to influence the rest of the game and it more looks like he's, again, just relying on those matchups, which is a long way of saying he's not evolving. And that doesn't mean he can't, perhaps this halfway through the year. And once they get to the bye week, I think it's important to keep in mind that these pro teams use the bye week to self-scout and self-reflect, and then they can come out better and different on the other side of that. So I want to wait and see how that plays out. But as for now, you see an offensive coordinator who I would still call him one-dimensional and though he knows how to put his players in advantageous situations when he doesn't have the best guys across the board, there's no counter to when those matchups are being won. So what point, at what point do the Panthers try to make a, a change, whether it's at the quarterback position or in terms of who the play caller is? You bring up the bye week in being a, a self-evaluation period for the Carolina Panthers by the time they get there. And this is not a team I expected to be a playoff team this year, but when you start off 3-0 and and Sam Darnold looks the way that he looked, and then you go back to reverting to New York Sam Darnold and struggle over the last six weeks that we've seen here, there's got to be a lot of questions, and someone has to answer this, right? Yeah, no, there, there, there's a, a ton of questions. And now we're talking about a, a macro versus micro approach. Uh, P.J. Walker might be the, the best option on Sunday just to shake things up and protect Sam from himself in, to some degree. But eventually you're going to have to put Sam out there and, and rule set it after the game and have him dig himself out of this. And if it crashes and burns and it crashes and burns and 
the bye week again then can be a time for Joe Brady to rediscover and redefine himself in that light. It, it, it's a way of saying there aren't a lot of options for this team right now other than self-reflection and trying to quickly reinvent themselves. If that doesn't happen, I can't imagine who this team would even turn to if they did take play calling duties away from Joe Brady. Um, PJ Walker is a guy who can give you a spark for a week. He's not going to be the long-term option. Uh, Sam Darnold either gets this right to a middle of the league standpoint, or he goes down with the ship and it's trending towards the ladder. So basically what you're saying is the Panthers are basically who they are at this point, And you can only hope that they're able to make the proper adjustments to remain competitive through the final eight weeks of the season. Yeah, that, that's really where we're at because you, you see a team that though they say they want to run the ball offensively, they don't do it with a lot of variation. You, you have a team that runs a lot of wide zone, which then I think makes you a, a weaker team and not a, a one that puts a physical prowess on the defense. And when you're only picking up two, three yards of carry, like in Atlanta, you know, they ran the ball 43 something times, but only averaged four yards of carry. So it's like saying, you know, I sing in the shower a lot. Well, that doesn't make you a, a singer. It doesn't make you Ed Sheeran just because you do something a lot, right? So yeah. it's a team that, again, needs to figure out what they actually do well, which right now is nothing. And then lean on a defense and support it in the ways it, it can by not giving them short fields to defend, not going three and out. And a lot of this falls on Joe Brady, finding a way to have different layers of his offense. And do I think that happens quickly? Absolutely not. This bye week, they're, they're just dragging towards it. I wish I could come on here the first time and sound more optimistic, uh, but the Giants game, and then the New England game are really telling that this is just an offense really stuck in place right now. No, hey, Ellis, you're fine, man. Like, I don't want you to lie to me. I don't want you to lie to the listeners. Go out there and tell your truth. And honestly, there's not much positive to say right now about this team outside of the defense looks pretty good. And Zane Gonzalez turned out to be a pretty good signing as a Panthers kicker, as that was a, a big question mark throughout the offseason and early parts of this season. It's turned into a relative strength for a special teams unit that's still not among the best in the league, but it certainly improved as it goes in terms of the, the special, the place kicking game there with Zane Gonzalez, but really appreciate your time, Ellis. Follow him on Twitter guys at book of Ellis. I assume you're a big uh, book of Eli fan and Denzel Washington fan with that Twitter name. And um, also he is the new beat reporter for the Charlotte observer, Ellis Williams. Thanks so much, man, for your time here on the show today. Appreciate it, Julian. Let's do this again. Great conversation there with Ellis Williams from the Charlotte Observer, the new beat reporter here for the Carolina Panthers. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at Book of Ellis. Does a fantastic job. I thought that was a really good breakdown of the Joe Brady scheme and just what he's seen here in Carolina in a short time, studying the team and covering the team. Fantastic job from him. We'll have him on again, certainly, here in the future as I continue to try and get guests on here pretty much every Wednesday moving forward throughout the season, if I can. That said, that wraps up another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast here, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network with yours truly, Julian Council. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. You can also check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Odyssey, and wherever you listen to this show and all of your favorite podcasts across the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow me on Twitter, at Julian Council, where every single Friday I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions here on Locked On Panthers. So how do you participate? You either at me or DM me at Julian Council. But first, make sure to follow me on Twitter, at Julian Council. Coming up tomorrow, going to be talking to Alex Clancy and Bo Brack 
of the Locked On Cardinals podcast for our weekly crossover episode. So tune in on Thursday as we break down the Carolina Panthers matchup at 4.05 p.m. Eastern time there in the desert against the Arizona Cardinals 8-1 team on the season so far. So we'll get into that on Thursday, and I will talk to you all then.